Welcome back, everybody, to the Mile High Madness podcast live stream here on Twitch.tv. Uh, I'll be uploading this afterwards to Spotify, iTunes. Just search Mile High Madness. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter, my Twitter at jmendozanfl. Feel free to give us any takes and chat, or you know, on Twitter about anything we're discussing here. Today, I am so excited to have the very first guest of to appear on the Mile High Madness podcast. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to my good friend, Joey Olivetti. Thanks for having me. Dude, this has been like such a long time in, in making. I'm so excited for this. Well, thanks for letting me be the first guest. I promise to set the bar ultra low. Perfect. That way everybody else can look good after you. Yeah, right? okay. exactly. So we kind of came up with a little bit of an agenda here, and we have kind of a, uh, how to say, a kind of a, a strategy of how I wanted to run these podcasts. So let's just start with a little bit of background. Tell the, the viewers who you are, kind of what makes you interested in sports, why, why you're here on the Mile High Madness podcast. Uh, I was a seven-year military veteran, deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, Thank you for your service. Oh, hey, really appreciate it. That is the most uncomfortable thing to say to a Is it really? Yeah, it's pretty I didn't know that. <laughs> Today we learned. Uh, no, I appreciate that. It's a nice sentiment regardless of how I feel about it. Anyways, uh, yeah, veteran, and uh, I trained a lot, like know what it means to be a part of a team and, uh, you know, work together, achieve your goal, and that, that kind of, you know, all sports are kind of that watered-down versions of war, and uh, so there's a lot of crossover there. Sure. And then after that, I played rugby uh, competitively in a men's league in St. Louis for uh, about five years, and uh, really enjoyed that as well. So, Very nice. Yeah. yeah, one of the reasons we wanted you on here is because you are our rugby expert. Everybody has like a little niche that they are for sports, and you and I talk a lot of rugby at work. Well, I make you talk rugby. Well, you that's don't, that's you don't true. Know anything about rugby? <laughs> but I'm learning. We always have it on the television, so I'm learning a little bit. Um, you talk about sports and whatnot. Can you give us some of your favorite sports teams out there? If you have a sports team, any that you follow closely, rugby uh, or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of partial to anything that comes out of the show me state. Give it up for Missouri. Um, I mean, other than the Rams, you know, they're kind of kind of left in a bitter fashion. So right. don't really like them. So you, um, don't, you don't really follow the Rams anymore? No, not the Rams. I think the interesting thing for me is I didn't really like baseball too much. Like I played it a little growing up. And then when the year I got out of the Army uh, was a couple days before Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, the real notorious one for when David Freeze hit that walk-off home run, being St. Louis kid. And I don't know. That was that kind of endeared me to the St. Louis Cardinals. So I don't know. If you go to a game like that and you, you like sports, even if you don't like baseball, it, there's no way after that you're not going to want to support the team because right. it was the most epic game ever. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, I guess, I mean, I like the Chiefs now. I, I think they're probably my pick. Uh -oh. I mean, but again, that's me being uh, partial. You know really, you know, you're on the Mile yeah. High Madness podcast, yeah, people, right? Well, when was the last time the Broncos made the playoffs? Uh, well, that would be uh, 2015 when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I don't really... You don't consider you, Chiefs are making a playoffs. You don't really consider yourself a Broncos fan. How long have you been here in Colorado? Uh, three years now. Okay, almost, yeah. hasn't hasn't been long enough to convert you. Would you would you stay a Chiefs fan? You think no matter how long you've been in here? I don't know. I mean, I'd say I've never. I'll probably never go to either stadium, so it's hard to be like a true fan. Like Fair enough. I feel like the experience of going to Empower Field, as they call it now. Um, Probably. Empower at Mile yeah. High. I think that sounds really stupid because you think Empower, oh, that sounds cool. And How then big you is realize that stadium though? 80,000 people, right? A little, like 76,000. 76,000. But then like you realize Empower is literally the name of a retirement community. Oh, is that what that is? It is, yeah. It's Empowerment Retirement, which kind of rhymes, but it sounds kind of lame to be on a stadium. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it. I would, I would like it if they uh, put like an image of like an old folks home up there. Maybe not. Doesn't really have to have anybody on the lawn. Just like I need to know what the empower old folks home looks like. <laughs> All right. So you talked about your favorite teams, and you know you're you're kind of one of those people who follows athletes a little more closely than you do actual teams. So can you talk to me about some of your favorite athletes? It could be in any sport, rugby or otherwise. But what are some athletes that you followed throughout your uh, sports watching history? Uh, again, I'm kind of partial to guys that come out of Missouri. Sure. Uh, so I mean, Broncos and the Nuggets both have 
you know, cream of the crop from University of Missouri. So I like Drew Locke. I like I like Michael Porter Jr. Um, there's more to be said for those guys in particular. But uh, yeah, I think outside of that, um, Sergio Parisi, man, one of the best eight men to ever play rugby. Uh, guy's great. Plus Italian legend. My family is Italian. So what what made him so good? Uh, I think just kind of being very dynamic in regards to what you actually got out of a forward and you kind of rugby's changed a lot over the last 10 years especially from when I started playing it over 10 to 20 years like it was much more of a you know the finesse of the sport wasn't as nuanced as it is now and you really got like supremely athletic backs that are um, running really intricate like skip pass patterns and stuff like that and I'm talking over anybody's head out there. I apologize. Rugby's kind of kind of hard to explain. Sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and then when guys like Sergio Parisi, you know, they, they really, being as big as they are, you know, he was like 6'6", 230, and super fit, super fast, and he could be that big and play kind of as a back, which you were kind of needed to be a smaller frame for, and then he could also play, like, tough as a forward as well. So Okay. So um, – Let's, let's let's jump into rugby a little bit before we start talking. You know Denver sports. You know we've seen a lot of Rugby's growth in Denver. It, yeah, we've seen a lot of growth for rugby. A lot of people yeah. want to talk about the growth of soccer here in America. A lot of the MLS players are starting to play overseas, and a lot of overseas players are starting to come here. So can you talk to me a little bit about what rugby has seen in terms of growth over the last couple of years? And to give a little bit of background for Joey, and you actually went to the World Cup this year in Japan. What uh, was that like? Last year, now. Yeah, in 2019. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I went to the Rugby World Cup in Japan and uh, kind of traveled from Tokyo uh, through Nagoya and Kyoto down to Osaka. Saw Wells and Georgia play and uh, USA versus England. And I think... That was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I really loved that. Just, um, I think just being in the Japanese culture, uh, I really appreciated and kind of made me nostalgic for some of the things I experienced in the army when I was in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and just wow, very nice. how different people are or can be, um, but still they'll be as, you know, as inviting as anyone, as, as your grandmother, you know, like, right. and just to experience that. and such a drastically different culture is, uh, you know, something to just kind of look back on fondly. What was the, um, what was, what were the fans like? What was the crowd like for rugby? When you think of Japan, you don't really think of it being a super rugby hotspot, but what was the crowd like? Uh, well, the Japanese national team has gotten a lot better. And I think that's kind of what, what the USA team is like trying to do kind of model like their like wanted success, uh, kind of compare that to what the Japanese team has done. Um, but the fans in particular, like, it was a huge international crowd, you know, drinking with Australians and Irish dudes and Scottish dudes and, you know, just just everybody's uh, just having a good time. I can't curse on this camera. No, you can swear. Okay. Any, anything, I was say, anything not vulgar. <laughs> F-words are fine, but no, I wasn't no gonna nothing say anything vulgar. vulgar. I was going to say, you know, just shooting the shit with people uh, that you just met, and it's all because of... Uh, you know, a silly rugby tournament. But uh, I, I, I love the biggest difference, I would say, between your viewing experiences you have in the U.S. when you watch most sports versus uh, something like the Rugby World Cup is just uh, how much of the international support there is. Um, you, I don't know. I think that kind of gets lost on a lot of people when they just strictly watch the NFL or the NBA or the MLB. All those, uh, you know, the NBA and NFL – well, I guess all of them, really, all the major sports have really tried to expand their international presence. So, right. Um, yeah, we'll see how. NFL keeps going back to London yeah, every year, bringing every a couple year. teams to kind of get the, uh, kind of heighten it up there in uh, in Europe and whatnot. Cool. So let's go ahead and dive into, you know, a little bit of some Bronco sports. And, you know, being here, having uh, having been in Colorado for going on three years now, you've seen a lot of things. You've seen, unfortunately, I don't think, were you here when the Broncos went to the Super Bowl? Nope. I, the, every year I've been, I haven't even brought a Broncos shirt yet because I keep saying once they get back in the playoffs, that'll be the first time I'll, buy, I'll okay. finally have a reason to buy a Broncos shirt. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, okay. finally get on the bandwagon. Um, but no, I was not here when they uh, won the last Super Bowl, but I've... I imagine it was a great time. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I it was. They actually won the Super Bowl the year before I moved here, so I wasn't here to witness it either. 
But from what I hear, it but was you've great. you've been a Broncos fan your whole life, My right? whole life, yeah. So I, I remember when they won the Super Bowl, I was jumping up and down my kitchen like crazy. It was, the, it was the coolest experience. And seeing the Super Bowl parade and knowing, damn, you know, whatever happens in my life, no matter how bad the Broncos are, we're always going to have 2015 to look back on. Yeah, but you hope that they don't go like another decade without seeing the playoffs. Well, yeah, of course not. You want them to be successful, but... Wait, unrelated. I have an unrelated sports question. For okay, you. what's do that? You, do you know what a Bronco is, like specifically? <laughs> specifically, what a Bronco yeah. is? Is it? It's a young horse, right? I think it's just a buck. I thought it was a bucking horse. A bucking horse, specifically. That makes I, sense. I've, I've asked a bunch of people that question. I get different answers every time. Yeah, I thought it was just a younger version of a horse, but I don't know. I think it, I thought. I think I don't know. Look, I think that's what Wikipedia says. Is it's a bucking horse? So. Okay. I'm going to trust that's the only source I have. It's only bucking horse. Well, while we're talking about the Broncos, let's let's jump right in. Let's talk about the state of the Denver Broncos. Where do you think they are? How do you think their 2019 season is? I know from talking with you at work just how opinionated you are about it, but I want to hear from, you know, tell our viewers, what do you think about their 2019 season and where are the Denver Broncos right now? Uh, I mean, the interesting thing about the NFL is unless you're Cleveland – you know, you can change your team in a year. Uh, I think the Detroit Lions, you know, were the first team ever to go completely defeated in a season, and then I think a year or two later they were back in the playoffs. The, the Bucks did it first. It. They went 0-14, then the Lions went 0-16, and then the Browns 0-16. When did, I don't think the Browns ever went 0-16. I thought the Browns got one win, and the Lions were the only team that was uh, coached by. Let me, uh, let me look into that. But I, I could have swore Marinelli. I could have swore the Browns had, uh, went 0 and 16. I only remember him because he had a stop there in St. Louis, and he was just about as awful as he was in St. Louis as he was in Detroit. <laughs> All right. Anyway, you you were saying? Um, yeah. So in particular for the Broncos, I think you know you, they can turn it around in a season, and they were close to 500, and so they probably don't really need to do much. They still, you know, clearly need like a legitimate quarterback. Um, and Drew Locke can maybe be that guy, but I think everyone is, you know, should kind of temper expectations there and oh. let, him, let him develop some. Okay. Because he's not, I mean, he's, I don't think he's Patrick, Home, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson at the moment. Okay. Um, so just patience, you know, he's only had five games. But do you think that it's possible for him to develop into a, an all-pro kind of player, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Lamar Jackson, or do you think fans should tamper expectations for where his ceiling is? I think just, I think everybody that watches football, like, you'll see this a lot, you know, guys flash in the pan because they've only played a team once. And then you kind of see once they play that team that second time, like, what adjustments are actually made. Okay. And I think until that happens, you're not really going to know – the true the truth of Drew Locke. So okay. I would just temper expectations until you start seeing some returns on that. Sure. What have you seen from Drew Locke? Like what makes you think that, you know, he, he may not be as good as people in, in Denver are kind of crowning him to be. Four and one as a starter, everybody's kinda of going crazy for him, especially after moving on from Joe Flacco. But what do you see in Drew Locke's game that you think he really needs to improve on? Uh needs to set his feet and throw the ball accurately. Yeah. I think once defenses adjust to kind of his his lack of doing that, but again, that's something that you can you can fix with practice. Uh, I mean, it just takes time. Okay. So, I mean, look at a guy like Baker Mayfield. You know, he kind of did the same thing, and you know, his interception rate goes up. And Drew Locks, I bet his interception rate goes up at the beginning of next season because he's not adjusting to what he thinks. Like he he can just throw off balance all the time and get away with it and throw on the wrong shoulder of the receiver. And corners will see that on video and know know how to make the play like the next time they you throw that pass sure so, um, it's easy to adjust to okay um and again he can make the he can make the improvements like it's just gonna take time real quick internet mentions here in chat that a bronco a noun or wild or half tamed horse of the western united states oh great there you go so there's the <laughs> definition of the official bronco for anybody anybody doing trivia or at the bar tonight and they have trivia night going on that's what officially a bronco is known as so seven and nine is what the Broncos finished in 2019. Do you consider that a success or a failure? I mean, they didn't make the playoffs. So it's a failure. It's a failure. I okay. That's that's what every team in the NFL wants. It's playoffs or bust. So again, though, unless you're Cleveland, they don't ever make the playoffs. Fair enough. When I was in, actually, funny thing, I have a nice little anecdotal story for you. Okay. Uh, when I was in uh, in Japan for the Rugby World Cup. English dudes love the NFL. Uh, I mean, maybe that, that's not indicative of all English dudes, but the guys over there, they like talking about the NFL. 
So every time they run into, like we'd run into English guys, they'd be like, oh, you guys are American. Let's talk about the NFL. And for some reason, I don't know what they're advertising in England, but all these dudes were saying that they were like Cleveland's going to make the playoffs. So I don't know <laughs> like what kind of commercials they were running in England for the NFL, but apparently it was very pro Cleveland. Well, yeah, I know that there was a lot of hype in the off season. And one of the stories that circulated was that guy getting like the Cleveland Browns Super Bowl tattoo on his arm or something like that. <laughs> there was just so much hype around the team. Uh, really? It was the Browns of yeah. all teams? Yeah. Not even the Patriots? Well, I guess that'd be ironic if people in ask, England were talking about the Patriots. You have to ask DC about it on Monday. Like, he'll, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Any last thoughts you have on the Denver Broncos, where they're going into 2020? Anything that you um, uh, think fans need to tamper expectations or heighten expectations? Heighten expectations on they need to find an owner. I think that's yeah. quite the debacle. And, uh, yeah. It's kind of one of those things in, in the media where you kind of sweep it under the rug. Because no one wants to talk about that the Bolin family might not actually own the Broncos. And the big fear is that whoever buys the Broncos will want to relocate them. That's, that's not going to happen. I don't think like, so either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the NFL doesn't want to, like, this is the market. Like, you've got, like, how much does the, the Denver Broncos go into, what's the state next? It's Utah. Yeah, then, Utah, yeah, Nevada, like, anything like that. I was going to get into geography, but John doesn't have any globes in his house. So, <laughs> sorry, guys. All right, so finding an owner. Everybody's riding the Drew Lock train. You think everybody needs to take a step back on it? I want to ask one last question, and then we're going to move on to other Colorado teams. Talk to me about Philip Lindsay because he is the golden boy right now. Everybody loves the Philip Lindsay story. He has the second highest selling jersey on the Broncos right now. What do you think about Philip Lindsay? Uh, he's a strong player. Um, I think he kind of his first year he rushed for more. He rushed for like what, like eleven hundred, twelve hundred yards. Yep. something like that and then he made the pro bowl as an undrafted yeah free agent. and then he rushed for a thousand again this year but it was it was kind of a regression in terms of his overall numbers um yeah he's a good player i think he's going to be he's going to contribute on a successful broncos team hopefully next year um but i do see things that maybe indicate that again i think just the way the nfl has become is like you gotta have two running backs if you don't have two running backs then you better have you know a stud back there that can do it all like christian mccaffrey or something so do you if you're the broncos do you look to draft a running back in the draft uh, or do you just bring in a free agent yeah i think I, I don't know it's hard to say i you could try to go for a free agent or i think i think where philip Lindsay does kind of struggle is um if he's one-on-one -on -one with a nose tackle like he gets i seem to get smashed a lot like he's kind of okay. small in that regard and he's not particularly great out of the backfield like catching passes so it does kind of puts him in a box on what he's capable of doing. So you're going to need a, a really good offensive line that actually makes big holes for him to run into. And, and he's, Broncos, great, he's great at running downhill yeah. once he's in a hole. But if you don't block for him, you know, he's not typically breaking a lot of tackles. He's not particularly shifty. I mean, again, he's got great top speed and he's great acceleration. But, you know, those are things where it takes the entire team to set up that play to make it a positive play. And the Broncos clearly don't have an offensive line that can block from every single time. It's one right. of the biggest yeah. weaklings on the team. Yeah. All right. Even so for, I think you saw, I think the, what you saw in the team get better for this season, particularly is that you had Drew Locke, who was able to like, just get out of a pocket that was never really there in the first place. Right. And then he's just kind of standing in open space. So it just kind of, uh, it, it extends plays, so it makes the defense more tired on running plays, mm -hmm. uh, and those things just kind of add up. And I think, yeah, that that worked for this year, uh, and at least in terms of making it to seven and nine, that worked and having a good finish. But that's not gonna, you know, win you ten games next season relying on stuff like that. I'm sure. Yeah. So let's move on. We talked a lot about the Broncos. Let's move on to another Colorado team right in the thick of things right now. Let's talk about the Denver Nuggets. Now, you are, you are the expert. I know little to nothing about the Nuggets. Basketball really isn't my jam. I try to follow the team as closely as I can, but you're the expert in this in this area. So talk to me about where the Denver Nuggets are and where they're headed this season. Uh, I think... I think they look great. I mean, they're second seed in the West. You can't be upset with anything they're doing. They split with the Lakers. Um, had some, I think maybe a close loss to the Celtics recently, a few weeks ago, something like that. Um, lost to the Rockets the other night, uh, but rebounded 
with a win at, at Indiana, and Indiana is really yeah. good. So I think they're doing everything right. They're checking all the boxes, and it's really going to come down to if they can progress in the playoffs. Um, I think the way to do that, though, is you've got to you got to find a way to you know get use Michael Porter Jr.'s like obvious uh, offensive skill set to your advantage because he can drop twenty five a game. Okay. Um, and as he plays more, he starts to show that off. So sure. So we had a comment here in chat. I want to I want to read it off to you. Uh, this was from a previous stream, not not necessarily live, but somebody said that they do not think that Nikola Jokic is a good player. They think that his um, you think he's not exactly an all star. His effort is lacking, and it's not necessarily something a player that the team can build around. Do you agree with that take? Well, I think he is a good player. I mean, the dude regularly gets twenty and ten, and Maybe I think I've heard other people kind of say they don't like his demeanor sometimes, like he's kind of weak, and maybe that's true. But also an 82 game season, man. Like, do you understand how many? And that's just the regular season. Right. Like, if you could potentially end up playing what four seven game series, which is another 28 games on top of that. Like, you're playing over 100 basketball games. Like, you're gonna have games where you're not, where you don't have that killer instinct, and that's okay because you don't have to win. You don't have to win 70 regular season games to to win the NBA championship. So if if he's if he's only game for 50 of those or 60 of those, and he, he's putting up 20 20 and 10 for for that many games, you're going to have a pretty good chance of winning all those games that he's doing that. So um, and beyond that, they built the team around him. So sure. this is going to be the team the next few years. It might not be what you want to hear in terms of if you don't like Nikola. Jokic, but uh, is it Jokic or Jokic? I th I thought it was Jokic because I don't want to call him the Joker. I think that's a bad nickname. I don't know why they call him that. Because his name looks like it's spelled like J O K, <laughs> but I I think it's pronounced Jokic. If anybody in chat knows for sure, I I have I've heard it both ways though, but I prefer Jokic because I think that's how it's pronounced where he's from. Okay, um, so we'll, we'll go with that for now. That address, I feel like that didn't address a comment. That was that's best I got. No, that's fine. Um. So the number two in the West, they finished number two in the West last year, and they got bounced in the playoffs. Do you see this team making a run to the championship? Do you think they could compete with a team like the Lakers? Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, they've got a lot of depth. Um, they've still got some rotation questions to kind of solve and figure out what their true, you know, top seven or eight are. Because I think if – too much depth on a basketball team can kind of kill you, especially in the NBA, because uh, you, you're just taking minutes away from your other really good players. Which uh, is crazy. I think there's like 12 people on an active basketball roster, but it only makes sense to maybe play eight of them. Or I mean, I guess you can make it. Nobody makes it work with 10. It, that never happens. Right. There was that one college basketball team like years ago that would do like whole line substitutions. Oh every my God, I don't again. remember. So it was five for five every time. I know who you're talking about, but I, I don't know specifically, but I, I know what you're talking about. That was an interesting tactic. I, I think it worked to some degree. But uh, yeah, I mean, once I think they're going to figure out their rotation and Michael Porter Jr. obviously needs to be a part of that because they don't have anybody that can score just at will like that. And when you hit, when you combine Jokic, you know, getting 20, uh, Murray getting 20, and Porter Jr. getting 20, like, they're just you, other NBA, NBA teams, you know, that they're just not going to have the defense to keep up with that. And sure. The only problem is guys like Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James, like they still transcend the game that they're in and they can give you 50 at will. And that's, or somebody like James Harden is the same way, you know, and okay. I don't know those guys are again, even more impossible to, to factor in and deal with. So, Talking about Joey Olivetti, a great friend of the great friend of the show, a rugby expert, and um, first guest, first guest, the first guest ever on the Mile High Madness podcast. I want to take a quick break from talking about the Nuggets. We'll get back to them, but as we are live right now at two thirty p.m., the first AFC Wild Card playoff game has started. The Texans and the Bills. Joey, who you got? Uh, this game, I'm probably going to take the Texans. I think they're the more complete team. They got JJ Watt back. Um, but as I say that, they're giving up first downs. So <laughs> don't listen to me, guys. That's just like, how it goes, don't right? know what I'm talking it's, about. It's commentator's <laughs> curse. Every time you say something, the exact opposite happens on the field. That's, then you know how to bet, right? Like, oh, I, I thought about, yeah, I should have looked at the point spread. I thought about putting something on this game. 
I think that's a great betting strategy. Whatever team you think is going to win, bet on the opposite so you win no matter what. Yeah. Some of these NFL games are, I think most of these NFL games are pick 'em games. Like the parody in the NFL is always, always pretty good, and even though the Eagles were terrible and they're hosting a playoff game. So, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. I'm going to take the Bills. I think they're the better coached team. The Texans really didn't impress me this season with losing some of the games. They got blown out by the Broncos of all teams. And I think the Bills are a better coach. They have a better defense. And something that's really key is Will Fuller was out for this game with a groin injury. Every time Will Fuller hasn't played this season, Deshaun Watson's numbers have plummeted. Teams use the bracket coverage on DeAndre Hopkins, and the offense just kind of stalls. So I'll, I'll, I'll take the Bills in this one as an upset. So you think Josh, you think Josh, okay, you take the Bills as a winner. Who do you think has the better stat line at the end of the day, Josh Allen or Deshaun Watson? Oh, man. Well, as, as we're watching That's literally right now, Josh Allen it. just rushed for – oh, he just rushed like for like 40 yards. yards. Yeah. <laughs> that literally just happened live right now. Josh Allen ripped All off right. a, a 30, 40, 50-yard run. Uh, so I'll take Josh Allen. <laughs> I guess that would have been the bet there. Who do you think is going to be the leading rusher in this game? Yeah, I'll go Josh Allen for a better stat line. Yeah. Oh, I think he'll get more rushing yards. And the Bills have they, they have such an underrated defense. I think they have the players to keep. Is Deshaun it underrated? Watson. I thought people. I thought it was like rated exactly what it was. Like it's a really stout defense. And it's a top ten defense, but nobody ever talks about them statistically. They're I in the thought top 10. that's like what their whole team was predicated around was just them having a really stout defense. Good defense. They don't yeah. turn the ball over. And Josh Allen has taken huge steps in his second year here. All right, so another playoff game that's he happening. Took huge he took on a fifty-yard yeah. run. I see what you did there. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Every once in a while, I get, I get one of these references right. Second playoff game is um, the other AFC, which is the Tennessee Titans at the New England Patriots. What you got? Uh I've been in. I grew up in Southern Missouri, down in Southeast Missouri, and uh, Nashville wasn't too far away. I've been several times, and so I'm inclined to go for the Titans. And Air McNair was always. Awesome. Yeah, used to Steve love watching Aaron that McNair. dude. Um, but again, it's the Patriots and they're at home, so I'm not. I would not bet against them if they're at home in the playoffs. Okay. Um, so yeah, probably go with the Patriots if I'm a bet man. Okay. I'll uh, I'll do you two for two here on uh, Devil's oh my Advocate. Goodness. As we uh, look at that, jo Josh Allen, man. As we're watching right a, now, you accounted for all of the yards on that. On that, on that just drive. about all I think that except drive. like the very, the first ten yards of that. First first down. Josh Allen just literally ripped off a, a, a trick play and caught a touchdown pass from one of his wide receivers. Look at this. Is, oh, Who didn't man. see that coming? That was an obvious play. Yeah, throwback. I mean, the safety's got to play over the top in that situation. Like I said, the Texans oh, aren't a good coach team. They have get, so much talent. Got smashed going into the, the end zone. He's got to limit Ooh. those hits. Oh, yeah. That pylon cam was brutal. I'll play devil's advocate again, though. I'm going to take the Titans. I, I'm a little biased because on just about all my fantasy teams this year, I ended up with Ryan Tannehill as my quarterback, and I had Derrick Henry in one of my the leagues. Career resurgence, right? Like, yeah. He might be comeback player of the year. He's the favorite to get it, man. And there are rumors that the Tennessee Titans are going to franchise tag him this offseason, yeah, sign him to a long-term extension. Might as well, yeah. I, I mean, I think like three years, four years, maybe, just see how that goes. Um Maybe throw a team option in there for a fifth year? Yeah, I, I would something. definitely make it like a team option or a team-friendly deal, right? Because I don't know. I mean, maybe it is the coaching that's just making him better, but he, he he's kind of rough in Miami, right? Like, it, it didn't go well for him, so. Oh, yeah. he's He has by far, you know, the biggest career resurgence. He looked like a straight-up bust coming out of Miami. But to his credit, he played most of his career under Adam Gase, who I think is a dumpster fire of a coach. Is that I think I know what that guy looks like. He did look a little bit like. You ever know the Broncos coach looks really confused on the sideline? Like <laughs> yeah. Perpetually confused. And Which one? Because they, they just fired a coach last year, Vance <laughs> Joseph, that looked confused all of the time. Uh, what's uh, Vic Fangio? Yeah. Vic Fangio, yeah. yeah. He looks so confused he's on the sideline. But I remember uh, the coach of the Dolphins also looked equally confused. So He made headlines for that press conference when they introduced him as the Jets head coach. He'd like... He's looking around like crazy, like he's on some sort of special kind of drug. Special K, probably? Probably. We have a comment here from uh, Stigmata saying, Tennessee has this easy. Tannehill's career is saved this year, and Tannehill's season shows how bad Adam Gase is. 
yeah, yeah that's, that's then the, i thought the jets maybe finished a little better though right they were seven and nine i thought by the end of the season jets are seven and nine let me, I'm pretty let me sure double check they were, that which is like bizarre because i think they started the season so epically bad and nobody thought they would finish that well let me look it up i thought i thought they did like a six and ten but seven and nine uh let's see here seven they did finish seven yeah. and nine so they finished so, the same as the broncos yeah that's sad yeah. For both teams, but that's really sad. I, I thought the Jets were a lot worse than that. I think I, I stole that from whatever sports radio station I listened to while driving to work. So. <laughs> Let me bring it here. I don't do any of my own work on stats, guys. I uh, I just hear them on the radio and regurgitate regurgitate them to you. <laughs> Perfect. So you're taking the Pats at home, Tom Brady. I'm taking the Titans. I, I think they'll – it's hard for me to pick the Patriots when they just got beat by the Dolphins at home. Internet says yeah. at least you're honest about it. Sorry, as we watched this replay, was that hit he takes going in the end zone was frightening. Um, yeah, they did. That was actually really fun. I had went to the uh, the CU game versus Iona that day and watched them score 100. I think maybe it was 99. I'm going to round up. Uh, they scored 100 <laughs> against Iona, and that was cool. And I got to catch the very tail end of the Dolphins-Patriots game. Yep. Just ran across the street to a bar, and uh, that was uh, I was actually happy about that. I didn't. I wasn't cheering against the Patriots, but... Seeing them not have everything paved in gold for them was just uh, was kind of nice. And it yeah. helped your Chiefs, too, because with that loss, the Chiefs got the first round the by. first round, yeah. And who knows, maybe Lamar Jackson has another uh, poor showing in, the, in playoffs, the playoffs, and then the Chiefs are hosting the AFC Championships. Well, that would be really cool if the Chiefs and the Ravens played each other in the AFC Championship. Could you imagine how hyped that game's going to be, Mahomes versus Jackson? I mean, it would be really entertaining. I don't remember the Chiefs beat the Ravens earlier, but who hosted that game? Oh gosh, I don't remember. I have to so look I feel at like it. That stuff makes a can make a difference. I mean, clearly nothing's a hundred percent, but uh, like home field advantage in the NFL seems to apply way more. I mean, look at the World Series this year. Like the away team won every game. I think like no home team won. So it was the Kansas City Chiefs were home. They, yeah, they was see, at Arrowhead Stadium. So you think it could be completely different when? If Baltimore's hosting that game, which they would be, so. This is Mile High Madness podcast. We're talking to Joey Olivetti. I want to get a couple quick thoughts back on, on the Nuggets. I want to ask one final question, and then we'll move on to Colorado's uh, redheaded stepchild team. What can fans expect from the Nuggets and the rest of the season? Can this team make it to the NBA championship, or do you think the team still needs a couple more years to mature? No, they can make it. I mean, you just have to... I mean, you have to play well at the right time, and the right time is the playoffs. I think they, you know, they're on the right, they're on the up and up. You know, they finally won a playoff round last year, the year before that. I think they missed the playoffs by, like, one game. Wasn't it, like, them and the Timberwolves had, like, a final, it was like the last game of the season was essentially an elimination game, and the winner got the A seed. And then, you know, last year they, you know, it's about every year you take a progression, you take a progression, and then, you know, this year, you want to see him get to hopefully the Western Conference Finals and then not just get to the Western Conference Finals this year. You'd like to see him, if they're going to lose it, lose it by a bucket in the seventh game and, or, you know, like don't go out, don't go out like a punk is all I'm saying, you know? Fair enough. Yeah. I think that's more than fair to expect from the Nuggets. And, you know, I, I have to say, you know, just from somebody who doesn't necessarily understand the team and all the ins and outs of pro oh, basketball, but thinking about, no, there's not going to be an Anthony Davis that comes here. You know, you're not going to get a James Harding to come to Denver. You so don't, you the, don't want James Harden. The fact that they got right, well, yeah, <laughs> but the fact that they've developed this young talent in the the Murrays, the Jokic's, and uh, Michael Porter Jr. That's the way they have to do it. Yeah. And I, I bring this up specifically because this is exactly not what the Colorado Rockies have done with their roster. No, not at all. I was gonna say at least we have the Nuggets, right? For all the people that live in Denver and that like sports, because I think outside of that, like you'd you'd probably have to hope that one of the lesser known sports teams is good like the raptors or the rapids or whatever the lacrosse team oh uh, yeah the, the outlaw and, yeah. and the man the mammoth sorry the man mammoth. no mammoth is it the mammoth yeah and the rapids are the mls team um yeah because rockies are quickly spiraling towards the seventh circle of hell and oh, yeah. uh if they're not you know, already there if they're not already there and the broncos you know while they do seem to maybe be turning it around or I mean, they could still be a year or two away from actually being there. Um, 
So, yeah, at least we have the Nuggets. Is, I'd say be positive about that. And in particular with the Rockies, like I, I don't know how you fix that. Like that's... What, what went wrong? Because two, two seasons ago, the Rockies made the wild card. They lost the Diamondbacks. But this team... They seemed like they finally had a pitching rotation. They had the hitters. It seemed like they could really make uh, a run in 2019. And look what happened. The hometown boy flamed out. Yeah. And maybe he'll, if he rebounds, maybe the team, you know, comes comes away stronger. But, you know, they don't have a linchpin in their rotation. And I, I don't like the excuse of people. So many people say it's so hard to pitch in, in Denver because the altitude but I see pitchers come here all the time and, and dominate the Rockies <laughs> Completely lineup. shut out the Rockies, so I'm right. Like, I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's not a very good excuse. Maybe it's just because they, you know, they only come once and they don't, they don't pitch here regularly or half the season or whatever. Um, but, but you've got a good point there. It seems like other pitchers know how to come here and figure it out. The Rockies don't. The Rockies yeah. pitchers never have and kind of haven't shown that. And, I mean, look at the teams that were in the World Series this year. Look how good their rotations were. Right. Like, you're not going to... You're not going to win without like a strong rotation. I mean, unless you're have an offense that's putting up ten runs a game, you know. Or actually, I mean, the Rockies—that's happened to them so many times where they have put up ten runs a game and then lost the game thirteen to ten. Yeah. You know, so it's not even double-digit runs, which is like, which, which are epic scores. You know, nobody you don't score that regularly, and the Rockies often can't even win with that. So. Talking with Joey Olivetti here on the Mile High Madness podcast. Feel free to reach out to us via Twitch chat or on Twitter. Twitter is at NFL. And the Rockies, they failed at the one thing that you talk about looking at the World Series. You have to have a strong pitching rotation to compete. And the Rockies have failed to develop pitching prospects at the minor leagues. They failed to grab good pitchers in the draft. And now there are rumors swirling that they might have their best player, Nolan Arenado, that he might get traded. Do you think the Rockies does, should trade him? Does he have a trade clause? I'm not sure what his contract entails, but I do know that the Rockies, there's a report from a couple different outlets that there's a 50-50 chance the Rockies trade him. Do you have any, you have any thoughts on that? Because uh, if you trade him, you got to think you're going to get good prospects and good mm, draft capital back. I don't, I don't know. What do, you, what do you actually want, though? Is Do you want prospects or do you want MLB-ready players? Um, I think that's the hard thing to really figure out. You can get prospects, and they might not work out. What are you going to get? Pitching prospects? Well, you're not doing great at developing pitching right now. So exactly. What are you going to do? Trade Arenado for, you know, position players? Well, I mean, do you? I mean, you're probably pretty solid with your lineup as it is now. So it's. I mean, and they're not going to pay any free agent pitcher. I think they're kind of hamstrung with their, with um, what do they call that thing? The money, the revenue, the cap. Yeah. Yeah, seller cap. Uh, that's what they call that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's really hard to say. I think the most likely scenario is that they just keep Arenado. Like, I don't know what the point of signing him to that contract, and I, I'm sure he has some um, kind of exclusions for trade. Um, I don't know if that would – probably not a full no-trade clause, but I'm sure he has something in his contract. Like an option? Yeah. Yeah. To probably pick the team that he goes. I think most that's kind of how it happens for most MLB guys these days. I, I really hope they don't trade him because the Rockies don't have a lot of positive pieces to build yeah. on in the first place. <laughs> so you trade him, and you are literally you're, – you're, you're fighting to be the worst team in Major League Baseball if you trade Arenado. Yeah, I don't think probably. that's outlandish to say. Probably because the NL, NL Central is pretty stout, I think. Everybody's going to be pretty solid. The Reds have gotten uh, a fair amount better, um, and I mean the Nationals just won the World Series, and the Mets were hovering around 500 last year. Uh, every division is tough in the NL, so if you go and trade away all these, uh, you know, elite talents, then what do you, what do you really have, and right. and what are you really trying to do with that? Again, are you are you going to trade Story and Arenado for all these high-level prospects and hope that in a year or two you can build a team out of that? Because I feel like you just did that and it didn't. Like I don't. Again, I think the most, the only thing you can really hope for at this point is that Freeland rebounds and John Gray. You know, with that new workout regimen he's doing, is is a good number two option. And right. Sensatella is he still? Is Sensatella still around? I don't know. Let me check. No, it was Marquez. I think it was Marquez was their, their other guy. Maybe they got rid of him, too. 
Let me look at their like, let me look at their uh, pitcher rotation here. John Gray, Hoffman, Freeland, uh, Marquez. Yeah, he's still there. Sanzatella. Sanzatella. Yeah. And uh, Peter Lambert. Yeah, I think. Okay. I mean, there's there's hope. There's optimism. I I could see how why the front office thinks that you know those guys can turn it around. But again, uh, it's it's probably unlikely you know yeah, they have they haven't done anything in free agency they haven't brought in anybody they've made one signing and it was i believe a first baseman i'm pretty sure like at the end of the season the gm was already like they're gonna go into the next season with the same team like he said that several times so you just roll the dice again and see what comes up this time well that'll be good for the cardinals when they come at least i can <laughs> they should win that series uh, this is John Mendoza with Joey Olivetti on the Mile High Madness podcast. We've got about five to ten minutes left, so I just want to talk to you a little bit about your bread and butter, some rugby. The rugby league is coming up in February. Is that correct? Major League Rugby. There you go. MLR. Yeah, that'll be. This will be the third season of Major League Rugby. Um, the team here in Denver, the Colorado Raptors, are are pretty solid. I think they were. Were they in the they were in the title game for the first season and then I think last year they missed the playoffs but they've they signed a former uh, All Blacks player uh, Renee Ranger okay uh, I think he was an inside center um, so it'll be it's cool to see like guys anybody that comes over from like New Zealand like that played for the All Blacks like you you can like the the All Blacks are the Patriots of international rugby so, oh wow yeah they just win it every year but that's been like they've been the Patriots of international rugby for like a hundred years or something holy crap yeah so, so we're not talking like the last 10 years like yeah. the Patriots we're talking like a whole friggin century <laughs> yeah so it's but the thing about those guys coming over and playing you know in uh in a in an American rugby league um this is rugby union by the way so anybody that knows rugby we're not talking about rugby league we're talking about rugby union but when those guys come over, they have to kind of, you know, they have they have so much pride in playing for their international team, uh, and they kind of have to give that up and give up their jersey and and kind of go and play for the money at this point. So right. So why why would a why would a player come from overseas and leave a dynasty like New Zealand? Why would they come over here to America? Is the sport really growing that much? They do it for the money. Are their bodies just you know not able to play at that high level it, it overseas? It is hard. It is hard for international rugby. I think it's much more elite than, uh, than than pro rugby. You know, as as anything is, you're kind of looking, you're taking the best of the best and you're putting them out there against each other. Uh, but then also, I think after you do like one World Cup cycle, because it's the same as the FIFA World Cup, where it's every four years. Uh, once you do one or two cycles, you know, is it really fair? If you're especially if you're an elite player, is it really fair for you to? stick around and take another guy's spot away i do kind of see i kind of wonder that about tom brady as well like i wonder what he why he still wants to play for for a 19th season potentially right when he's won so much and there's only 32 of those positions available anyways you know it's kind of like i mean all my hats off to him all due respect i'm not trying to disrespect the man i just you know it's like are you are you maybe taking a spot away from somebody and i think that's kind of the theme there with a lot of those guys that play for the all blacks or, or england or other countries that um once you move on from that you know you're not really in the selection pool for the international team anymore fair enough okay so you talk about the uh, colorado what is it? is it the denver or colorado raptors colorado raptors they were recently the uh, glendale raptors which is an unincorporated territory of uh of Denver, of the city of Denver. It's a really bizarre little thing there. I do know that, and I think you can say this on the air, the mayor of Glendale uh, owns the uh, Gentleman's Club. Oh. I will leave the name out of there because I'm not sure if that would violate any copyright uh, <laughs> or trademark infringements. <laughs> <laughs> but he owns the Gentleman's Club, right? Yes. So that's uh, that's interesting. Okay. So we've got here here in Colorado, we've got the Colorado Rapids and the Colorado Raptors. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, fantastic. Where can fans go to check out the Raptors? Um, where where is their stadium located? Infinity Park in Glendale. That's uh, kind of down around uh, I twenty five in Colorado area. Okay. Um, it's pretty fun over there. Uh, how, I, how are tickets prices? Not too bad. I think I I, I don't want to tell anybody the wrong number, but I'm pretty sure you can go see again for like ten or fifteen bucks. It's, it's really not too okay. bad. It's like a nice little five thousand seater uh, park that's kind of built uh, specifically for rugby and and for that team. So um, it's, it's fun little experience if you guys go. 
Nice. Do we? Do you think that the uh, Raptors are going to be any good this year? Can we expect this Colorado team to fight for the playoffs? I do. They, even though they missed the playoffs last year, they were good. They they had a lot of depth. And before this league was kind of made, uh, the Colorado Raptors were um, were a big team and in kind of the Division One of like amateur men's rugby. Um, and there had never been pro rugby. They they had tried a couple times and it failed every time. But this has been the most successful league especially with being on tv they've had pretty solid ratings on uh cbs sports network and uh, a couple like nbc sports locals and stuff like that and now i think they're, they've got a pretty good deal with espn plus i think it goes with anything like just the ability to di distribute in 2020 is just way easier than it was 20 years ago so hey, are the rugby games broadcast on cbs yeah they are uh cbs sports network uh NBC, I think um, a few of the um, Colorado Raptors games will be on, uh, have usually been on Channel 20, which is, I get the uh, the actual naming convention for what Channel 20 is. Um, I don't want to tell them the wrong name. <laughs> but if you have if you have uh, an antenna or yeah. locals, it's it's Channel 20. Yeah, it's, it's part of your locals. Okay. So there's that. And we work in the TV industry, so you can trust us. <laughs> this is what we do all day, folks, is manage television. <laughs> Um, so, last thing we have on our agenda here is some playoff predictions. Any teams that, you know, besides the Raptors that you expect to make the playoffs? Um, do you have a uh, final four that you think is going to happen? Well, the Seattle Seawolves are, are, by and large, the most successful team in Major League Rugby. Again, it's still a fledgling league, but they've won the first two championships. And nice. uh, both, I think the interesting thing this year is they've added uh, a few more teams. Uh, I think a team in Atlanta, a team in D.C., and there was one more team. I can't remember the location exactly, um, but the league is so basically the league has gotten bigger. And what they've done is they've expanded the playoffs because most of the pro leagues in Europe or in the Southern Hemisphere they do just a top four um, playoff for okay. their their championship. But the U the Major League Rugby has expanded it to the top six, where the top three teams from each conference will make it and the top team from each conference gets a bye. Okay. And then, so then there's a play-in game into that. And I think it's going to – I mean, obviously the league grows a little bit, so you get two extra teams into the playoffs. But I just think it – over the course of a season, um, more teams are able to set their goals on. Now, I wouldn't go like crazy like the NBA does and have half your teams – over half your teams <laughs> make the playoffs. I think that's maybe a little excessive. Right. But, uh, I, I do like the the – addition of two extra teams making the postseason in Major League Rugby this year. So, uh, But again, Seattle Seawolves are probably the favorite. I don't see they've, they haven't really lost anybody that was a, that's been a key to their, their dominance so far. And, um, you know, another year working together, that team's only going to uh, get, get even more, uh, more better. I, I've, got, I've got a question in regards to, you said that they've won the first two rugby championships why why is that are they importing players from overseas or are they developing like a local seattle rugby scene uh, in the youth to kind of grow that talent I, internally i think a little bit of both they have uh there's a strong following just north in the canadian area i think that's british columbia up there okay um the vancouver area and so they kind of have a hybrid team uh for you know pacific northwest rugby with the in inclusion of, of Canada there. And I think just rugby has always been really popular up there. So they had a lot of elite level guys to begin with. And they're, they just, again, a lot of depth, a lot of guys that like to play rugby. They were already playing really good rugby before they decided to go pro. And that's just carried over for them. Okay. All right, we got one last thing we wanted to do here with the with the playoffs coming up. You know, right now we're in the middle of the uh, Buffalo Bills and Houston Texans game. The Bills currently lead seven to zero on a uh, on a touchdown catch by Josh Allen, and looks like Bradley Roby drops a a would be pick six. Uh, so you you've already picked the Texans to win this game. I kind of have the underdog, the Titans. Uh, while we start up the uh, our wind down music here, can you give me a final four projection prediction and a Super Bowl prediction? Uh, I'll take. Let's see. I'll say Chiefs over the Patriots at home. Ooh, okay. Uh, is that is that because you're a homer, or is that because you really think the Chiefs can beat the Patriots? Uh, I think they've already done it once. I think they can. I think they can beat them again. I think the the home field advantage will make a difference. Wow, that pass was almost picked off as well. Um, and then. 
I also think maybe the Patriots aren't as good as they were in recent years, but I mean, never say never. With Tom Brady, the guy just defies logic. Okay. Um, and in the NFC? Uh, well, to the final four in the AFC. You, you just said Chiefs over Patriots. No, no, no. That's in the divisional round. Gotcha. And then you got Ravens versus uh, the, uh, the winner of this game, I guess, right? Or would it be the... If the Patriots win, I'm saying the Patriots are going to win. So they would go play the Chiefs, and the winner of this game would go play the... Uh, the Ravens, so yeah, the Ravens I, th I think the Texans are going to come back and win this. And I'll probably take the Ravens there, but then Ravens Chiefs and there in the uh, the conference, so I'll take the Ravens over the Chiefs. Okay. I guess in the NFC, I like Seattle. Seattle should beat the Eagles at home. I think that's. I think the Eagles are just kind of skating by on what was a, you know, overall terrible division. Okay. Um. What's the other NFC game? Saints. Oh, the Saints. Yeah, I'll definitely take the Saints. I don't even care who they're playing. Yeah, Saints and Vikings. I, I take the Saints <laughs> too. Uh, and then I guess the Saints would go and play the Packers, right? The, yes, yeah, because yeah, they're the number Seahawks two. would go back and play the, the Niners. I'd take the Niners again. And uh, uh, that was tough for the Packers and the Saints. I think a lot of people tend to say that the maybe the Packers aren't that good this year and they're, they're kind of surprised they have that good of a record um but man playing at Lambeau's hard right and Drew Brees has kind of had a lot of tough luck in the playoffs recently um so yeah I'll probably take the Packers in that and we'll go for an old school 49ers Packers matchup in the in the uh the NFC championship um but 49ers all the way. They're so good, man. Their defense is good. Their offense is good. Their special teams is good. Okay. And then, I guess a rematch of what was it like five or six years ago? 49ers and Ravens. 49ers and Ravens. Yeah, the game famous for the stadium lights turning off at halftime. Yeah. yeah. No uh, conspiracy here, right? No, that was just complete. That was a complete fluke. <laughs> uh. Yeah, man. I'm gonna go with Lamar Jackson. Guy's a stud, and I mean, it seems like if he's gonna win it, this is his. This is his year. This is his time. So, if he plays like he did the last. 10 or 11 games because I think they're on some like 12 game winning streak right or something like that if he plays like that then I don't see how anyone anyone can beat him so yeah. I'll take the Ravens okay. over so the Niners in Ravens the Super Bowl. over the Niners in the Super Bowl you heard it here first Joey Olivetti our first ever Mile High Madness guest Joey man thank you so much for coming yeah. on we really appreciate it thanks dude. for having me you can follow us on Twitter at JMendozaNFL. We'll live stream on Twitch here at Mile High Madness Podcast, and we'll upload this shortly thereafter to iTunes and Spotify. Thank you, everybody who tuned in. We greatly appreciate your support. And remember, always let the madness consume you. I should have told them about Wrestle Kingdom 14. Maybe that's something for another time. <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs>